Hello and welcome to Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Father Michael Delcom, pastor of our community, and I'm grateful you've joined us today. Before we dive into today's message, I want to thank you for your support. At Sacred Heart, we're super excited about our mission to encounter Jesus and become missionary disciples. None of this would be possible without the incredible generosity and dedication of our supporters like yourself. Whether it's through prayer, time, or financial contributions, you allowed us to carry out our mission and touch the lives of countless individuals. If our ministry has helped you along the way, either with this podcast or with our online streaming, please consider financially partnering with us if you're not doing so already. We want to continue our virtual presence in an ever-challenging world, and your support allows us to do that. You can visit shbrusard.org and click the Give button. There you can find ways to support and partner with us on our mission. Another way to support us in our mission is just to share this content with others. Again, on behalf of our team, thank you for listening today. Let's get to today's content as we grow together. Rhetorical question, don't answer it out loud. Have you ever experienced the love of God? If it helps you better answer it when you close your eyes, you can close your eyes. I really want you to maybe think of a moment, think of many moments, particularly. Have you ever personally experienced the love of God? The real personal God. Have you ever been impelled to share this love of God with other people? You ever felt called to do that? We've talked about this. Sometimes you see this with uh, people who go and make a Corsillo uh, weekend or an axe retreat or various retreats. They come back just all fired up like there's this fire in their eyes. You have no idea who they are, but they just want to tell you all about the retreat. They want to tell you, they want to change everything. They want to burn stuff. They want to do crazy stuff. And you, you know, something's different. You know, maybe something, something happened. They had an encounter maybe with God for the first time in their life. And, and they just want everyone else to maybe know about God or at least to know what they know now or see what they see. Maybe people read a book and they have a conversion um, or they, they go to a small group and they want everyone to be in a small group, right? There's that moment of um, they are compelled, right? There's, there's a burning desire for other people to know. Sometimes it doesn't last long. You see it fade in other people. But let's talk for a moment about what was happening in Paul's life as he writes to us his second, the letter in our second reading. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 23, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me. If you look up the word obligation, uh, different translations, it, one of them is a burden, a burning desire. Paul felt he had to preach the gospel. It was, gonna, it was welling up in him. A burning desire, and woe to me if I do not preach it. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He goes on to say, all this I do for the sake of the gospel so that I too may have a share in it. Paul understood that what he had been given by God, what he had been revealed 
what had been revealed to him by God was a gift. Paul did not deserve it. Paul was saved from his former way of life. Saul became Paul. He is a new creation. So much so that Paul says, I feel obligated to share this with other people. Why? So that I can have a share in what was shared with me. Paul understood that the gospel was given to him freely, but the gospel was given to him freely to share freely with other people. If he, a sinner, a killer of Christians, could have a change of heart, who else out there was wayward? Who else out there was stuck? Who else out there was living a life far from this God that they don't even know about? Who could hear the gospel and change like him? There was an obligation, a burning desire. So if you were with us uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the gospel we talked about just the way that we can summarize the gospel um, in five words. And I know you all learned those five words. You practiced those five words. In fact, you've probably shared the gospel with at least five different people with those five words. I'm so very proud of you. So just to, re- just to remember what those five words are, let's see how good we are. Let's just see if we can remember one of them. What was, what was, they all started with an R. Remember that? What was one of the words for our guests who weren't here? You could, this is not a rhetorical question. You could actually say this one out loud. Do you remember one word of five? Reconciliation. That is one of the words. Uh, thank you. Please, God. Uh, reconciliation. Um, who can remember another word? So we got one out of five. Recreation. So we got re- recreation. We got reconciliation. I heard relationship over here. Wait, three out of five. Now she's guessing. Repentance. So y'all just y'all gonna start making up words now. Okay. Thank you. Repentance is great. I mean it's part of the it's part of the picture, but it's not part of the word. So um, let me let me give you the five words so that you can go to the homily two weeks ago and check it out because we're not gonna talk about it today. Um, relationship rebellion, reconciliation, recreation, response. So we talked about it, right? Um, we're in relationship with God, we rebelled. There was a reconciliation. God came to recreate us, and now we have to have a response. So I know that can be complicated for all of you. All the R's, clearly, it's hard to remember. It's five words. We have a lot going on in our life. So today, I want to help you out, and I want to simplify things. We're going to talk about four words, okay? Four words. I'm I'm giving you slack. So in case you can't remember five, we're going to remember four. So we're going to talk about the gospel through maybe a different lens. It's the same gospel. It's just going to be some different words that help us communicate the gospel, right? Because um, you may run into, imagine this, you may run into someone who doesn't know the gospel, who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know the story, who doesn't know their part in the story, who doesn't know why they exist, who doesn't know what they are called to live for, who are that's what we would describe lost, right? They may be in your family. They may be at your office. They may be hmm, waiting for you at the gas station. Who knows? Um, it's amazing what we meet when we go to hotels and when we're in the elevator and the conversations we have at the football games. St. Paul was 
compelled. He felt an obligation to share the gospel. When St. Paul would meet someone who doesn't know about Jesus and he could see in their lives that they are lost, that they were held bound by something, St. Paul felt an obligation to tell them about what he knew. It wasn't something that he could keep for himself. So, four words. Ready for the four words? You ready? All right. It's going to change your life. It's the gospel, right? It's good news. Um, so here are the four words. Created, captured, captured, rescued, response. That response you already know, right? Created, captured, rescued, response. Created, captured, rescued, response. Say it with me. Created, captured, rescued, response. One more time for fun. Created, captured, rescued, response. What's the second word? Nice. What's the last one? Hmm, what's the first one? Wow, we forgot that third one. That's right. Okay, rescued. So, um, Okay, so it's, it's, it's real easy, right? It's a process. It's a, it's, 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 there's movement in it, right? We were created. So this is how you can summarize the gospel in three to four minutes, right? You meet somebody and somebody's like, hey, uh, I, I missed you this morning. We were um, uh, at the baseball game. Uh, where were you? Oh, I had to go to mass. Why do you go to mass? Oh, I'm supposed to. Well, why do you do things you're supposed to do? Because um, my mama told me to. Well, that's kind of stupid. So why, why didn't you come to the baseball game? Well, I feel guilty if I don't go. Well, that's a, not a, still not a good answer, right? So at some point, you've got to answer the question, why do I do what I do? Why do I believe what I believe? And, and please, God, you answered the question yes when I asked the first question. Have you ever had an experience of the love of God? Maybe that keeps you coming back. And so maybe you might work your way around to saying, okay, this is why I believe. This is the gospel, right? So created. You and I, right, we're having a conversation, right? You and I were created by God. God didn't have to create us. God's perfect. He's perfect without me. He's perfect without you. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. So he created us out of love because he wants to love us and he wants to share his love with us. He created this beautiful world, right? All for us. And you know what makes us so unique and so special? That you and I are created in his image and likeness. There's no other creature like, I mean, a deer is beautiful and elk is even more beautiful, right? Um, But there's no creature that is in his image and likeness. You and I are made in God's image and likeness. We are created like no other. And God made us so that we can know him and love him in this life and be with him forever in the life to come. And the more we love him, the more that we receive his love, the more that we become like him. Oh my gosh, that sounds like love, right? It sounds like a beautiful relationship. And do you know that one of God's creations... Angels. I know it's, it's hard to believe in angels, um, but angels are real. They're spirits. Maybe you've seen an angel. It's amazing how many people have seen angels. I haven't seen an angel, but we've seen angels, right? They don't have a physical body, but they're spirits, right? They're beautiful. They're often filled with light. When people see them, it's just light. There was this one angel that God made that was so beautiful called the angel of light, Lucifer. He was so beautiful, and he thought himself so beautiful, 
and he became jealous of you and me. It wasn't actually you and me, it was Adam and Eve who looks like us. They were our first parents. And this angel was so jealous because God gave them something that he didn't give Lucifer. God gave them the possibility of being like God, that he would share something of God with these mere human beings that he wouldn't share with Lucifer. He became so jealous, he wanted to take that from them. He wanted to rob them of this great gift that God gave them. So Lucifer, this angel, convinced them to distrust God. Lucifer convinced other angels to join him in this endeavor to lie to humanity and to get them to believe a lie. And so what happened is they began to distrust God. They began to turn away from God, who is the source of their life, their creatures of the creator. And when they turned away from God, they begin to turn in on themselves. They begin to turn away from other people and they begin to turn in. Well, you know what this looks like, right? When we hurt other people, when we lie to other people, when we steal from other people. There's a gut feeling in our heart that is, it's an ache. And so there's this ache that was created by what's called sin. When we turn away from God, that's what sin is. And sin holds us captive. Sin holds us captive. And the devil is constantly trying to hold us captive. You've probably experienced sin and you've probably experienced captivity. And this is why I know that. I'm gonna ask you a question. Let's see if you say yes to it. So, have you ever known something was wrong? You know it was wrong. You know it's gonna hurt somebody else. You know it's gonna hurt God. And you didn't wanna do it. And you actually tried very hard to not do it. And you did it anyway. Thank you. And you did it anyway. And you did it anyway. Like, I really, I really was trying hard. I was really telling myself not to do it. I was really fighting to not do it. But somehow I did it anyway. Why? What's going on inside of me, right? See, Paul describes this. If you want to go look in Romans uh, 7 and 8, he says, the, the good is there, the willing is there, like he wants to do the good, but he does the, the, the wrong in, instead. Who can help me? He, he's talking about his enslavery, his captivity to sin. And that's what Satan did. He held us all captive, and we were helpless in our sin. But God loves us. God loves you and loves me. It was not one to keep us there. So God came down from heaven and became one of us. Why did he become one of us? So that he could lure Satan into his plan. Satan was going to try to destroy God. I mean, what a great plan. If I can destroy God, then I can be in charge, Satan says. But as Satan was going to try to bring Jesus to the cross, actually Jesus' plan was to destroy Satan. When Jesus, God, came down from heaven, became one of us, and died on the cross for us, he goes down into hell and he captures, he takes all those people who are enslaved by Satan. In fact, he was doing it today in the gospel if you were listening. They brought all the sick people to him and what did he do? 
He healed the sick and he cast out demons. Jesus is rescuing us from the enslavement of our own sin, right? The demonic, those unclean spirits that try to cling to us and hold us captive. He's trying to break the chains of that. So Jesus, rather than died, stay dead, he rose from the dead, right? His father raised him from the dead. And he said, this is the good news, all of you who believe in me, all of you who give your life to me, all of you who cling to me, my power will be in you and my power will set you free. It's Jesus' power, not your power. You can't win and beat Satan, but Jesus, my goodness, there is no match. He's unconquerable. So if you believe in Jesus, if you accept him, if you are baptized and live with him, you can live this life unhindered, unbound by sin. Now some of you have heard this already and some of you have given your life to Jesus and some of you try to live close to Jesus. Sometimes we go backwards and we fall back into sin, but we remember, oh, this is not what life is supposed to be like and we repent and we come back to Jesus. Some of you just think that life is meant to be survived. Life isn't just a drudgery. Y'all are, uh, y'all are hanging out with um, Job over here. Life is meant to be a drudgery just to be survived, right? There's no way I can get out of this muck. Maybe you just haven't heard the good news. Maybe you haven't heard the gospel. If you're hearing it for the first time today, praise God. There is hope. Jesus came to rescue you from what? What's that second word? I know y'all are in it. Captivity, right? Captivity. You don't have to stay captive. The good news is the third word. He rescued us. And because of that, when we, maybe you um, are waiting for the third step, when we accept being rescued, the proper movement is to respond accordingly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. You know what? I know people in my life who are in the same situation that I was in, and I gotta tell them about it. It'd be like having um, the cure for cancer, this is no political statement, like having the cure for cancer and not telling anybody. Can you imagine that? Like, people are dying, and I have the cure, and I'm not gonna tell anybody. That's just kinda sick. People are dying out there, Paul says. I, I, I feel... I feel obligated to tell people about the gospel. People are going to hell all the time. They're dying and spending eternal life in hell. I have to tell them about this Jesus who came and died and offers hope and offers freedom. So there it is. I said five minutes, that was probably about eight minutes, but we'll go with that, right? What are the four words? Created, captured, rescued, response. So let's talk about your response because... Mm. I know you don't like this part, um, but we have to talk about it. So I'm gonna show you uh, some quotes from Pope Francis. He wrote an encyclical, which is a teaching. Pope Francis is our Pope. He's the head of the church. He's the um, guy in Rome. He, he leads the church. He directs the church. Um, he wrote some words um, called the joy of the gospel. Joy of the gospel. These are some words from the joy of the gospel, right? It's rather long, so just bear with me. Um, He says, in all, I hate it when he uses that word all, it's like there's no exception. In all the baptized from the first to the last, the sanctifying power of the Spirit is at work impelling us to evangelization. 
Impelling is almost like that word that Paul was using, like obligated, like there's a burning, there's an urgency, impelling us to evangelization. In virtue of their baptism, all the members of the people of God have become missionary disciples. Let's keep reading. Maybe he makes some exceptions because I was looking for the exceptions. I was actually looking for some particular wordage in there like uh, the 7 a.m. crowd, except the 7 a.m. crowd, right? <laughs> or except the 9 a.m. crowd or just for your sake, right? I mean, wouldn't this be sweet if we could hear this message and it'd be about everybody else? But no, there was no exceptions, right? Um, here we go. The new evangelization calls for a personal involvement on the part of each of the baptized Every Christian is challenged here and now to be actively engaged in evangelization. Indeed, anyone who has truly experienced God's saving love. That's why I asked you that question at the beginning, right? It's making sense now. It's kind of a trap. If you answered yes in your own heart to having experienced the love of God in your life, Anyone who has truly experienced God's saving love does not need much time or lengthy training to go out and proclaim that love. Every Christian is a missionary to the extent that he or she has encountered the love of God in Christ Jesus. We no longer say anymore that we are disciples and missionaries as if there's like a distinction. I'm a disciple. The missionaries are those people over there. No but rather that we are always missionary disciples. If we are not convinced, let us look at those first disciples who immediately after encountering the gaze of Jesus went forth to proclaim him joyfully, we have found the Messiah. Don't you find it ironic that those people whom Jesus healed, who he casted out demons and he said, hey, listen, don't tell anybody this. What did they do? First thing they did, they ran to their friends. They ran to their families. You got to come meet this guy. Remember the woman at the well? She comes to the well. This is the one that was married to five men, and the one that she was with was not her husband. Clearly ostracized. She came during the heat of the day. No one was there. Jesus told her everything about her life. And what does she do? She runs back into town. She tells everybody about Jesus. And they leave town. They come to meet Jesus. And they say things like, we believe in you not because of the woman and all the stuff that she told us. We believe because we have heard you and seen you, right? She was a a missionary disciple. Same with St. Paul. After he encountered the Lord, St. Paul was killing Christians one day. He has an encounter with the Lord. The next day, he's talking about Jesus and converting people to Christianity. He didn't go to college. He didn't have a degree. He didn't go into three small groups. He didn't have the special training. He didn't go to the discipleship retreat that we did last weekend. He didn't do any of that. So Pope Francis says, so what are you waiting for? I want us to pray with that question this weekend and this week. So what, what am I waiting for? If it's not about having the right words, although Father gave me four really clear words, if, if it's not about, um, if it's not about training, if, 
I don't want it to be as simple as being baptized and having an encounter with the Lord. But if it's that simple, what am I waiting for? If there are people out there who are sick, if they're out there with, uh, there are people out there who were held captive, what am I waiting for? Maybe, and this is okay, no judgment. Maybe I don't really believe in the gospel. And that's okay. That's fair. Maybe you, you are just held captive right now in a sin or an addiction or a way of life and, and maybe you haven't experienced freedom there and you're like, I don't believe all this stuff. That's okay. But maybe today the invitation for you from God is to believe it. Maybe the gospel was just for you. There's some people in here that I'm talking to that are, are, are feeling compelled to share and they're like, what am I waiting for? I don't wanna get to, to heaven and, and the Lord be like, wait, you want all the benefits of the gospel but you weren't willing to share it with anybody else. How does that work? Some people in here are being compelled right now to share it. You're asking the question, how can I? It's not that hard. You have a story. You have a story. Some of you are hearing right now and being compelled that I, I, I want to believe in this. Some of you are maybe hearing this for the first time. Just for the rest of Mass, I just want us to pray with where we are. But for those of you who maybe this question applies, what are you waiting for? The gospel is good news. People are dying to hear good news of hope. Let's just pray the rest of Mass. Wherever we are, wherever God is, is moving in our hearts, let's give him space to move.